I would like to talk about the biggest adventure in my life which happened during my whole long life because I'm now old man. It was a, my childhood. The reason is that I was born in a town which was uh, during the Second World War besieged by the German army. The town was Stalingrad. And when the German army came in Stalingrad in 1942, I was already about six years old. And because the Russian government didn't provide a proper evacuation of the civilian people from the town. They had time, about a year. We were caught, sort of, in, in Stalingrad, between the two armies, fighting each other. One army was on the left bank of the river. It was Russian territory still in the Volga steppes. And another was the German army approaching from the west, from the River Don steppes. And we were sitting in Stalingrad waiting for evacuation, but it was uh, delayed, delayed. Russian uh, government mainly was preoccupied with the evacuation of the industry, uh, equipment, and so on, but forgot about the people. So when they, in hurry, suddenly started, you know, sort of uh, evacuating, it was too late. It was only started in July '42 when already sporadic bombings started in Stalingrad. And when they put us in a train for evacuation on outskirts of Stalingrad, the Germans somehow recognized that there is something, activities going on, and that the German airplanes come to and bombed our uh, rail trucks and the train and, and we all run out of the carriages to the step and they even tried to kill us even the step running civilian people with children You know, during the bombings, it's a noise, explosions, smell of uh, gunpowder, dust. So when we, in time of the uh, failed evacuation, run to the step, my father and mother and my granny and me uh, uh, were running to the, any gully to find how to hide from the attacking airplanes. We found one gully and my father and other men tried to put some wood, some bushes, whatever, to cover us. And I remember my mommy put me between her legs. And one 
airplane was start coming to us very close, very low. And mommy said to me, Edik, she called me Edward, Edik. Edik, close your eyes. And covered my hand with, 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 the, with the hand. But I was uh, probably rather uh, curious and probably a mischievous boy. And I opened my eyes and between her fingers, I saw the coming airplane, and I think I saw even German pilot with goggles. You know, just then we had a noise like, and the ground started shaking around us. He put his machine gun in action, and then he disappeared. And we saw some other planes coming around, and then so on and so on. It was very noisy and. Uh, sound of uh, airplanes and the bullets, you know. And then everything became quiet. We left the gully and went back to our flat. The evacuation uh, failed. And we, when we looked back, we saw our train collapsed, broken, our carriages were in flame. So we walked back to the town, to our flat, and the rest of the Stalingrad battle, I stayed in a town, having nearly every day uh, bombings. And I remember that uh, on 23rd of August, I think, 1942, was a so massive bombing. Uh, later I realized that it was called sort of a carpet bombing. A massive German airplanes attack. They came and they started bombing everything in the town. Industrial sites and, and uh, housing, uh, everything. And um, I don't remember, I haven't seen it, but my sister, Natalia, who was at that time about uh, 14. She uh, later told me, because she remembered that day, they bombed two huge oil storages. And these oil storages became in flame, and she saw like a, a burnt oil running down to the Volga River and burning everything on its way. All bushes, trees, uh, wooden buildings, small huts, or whatever, everything, including even boats on the coast of the Volga River. And she wrote in her memoirs later that it seems that even Volga River was in flame. Of course, it was very emotional and frightening. Especially later on in September, when we still were staying in our flat. It was after this carpet bombing in August uh, 1942. In Stalingrad was no water, no electricity, no gas, no heating and no food. It was a widespread starvation. I remember that we were sitting in our one room, in our flat, 
near the kerosene burner, you know. And my babushka, she used to make a sort of soup, but it was uh, it's not it was like a muddy water. She put there anything she could find, you know, some grains or flour somewhere, which is left somewhere in the cupboard or whatever. Crumbs of the bed she found on the floor, whatever. This was the main food of the day. During the Stalingrad battle, during this August, September, when we were still in, in the town, they have no dogs, no cats, everything was killed or disappeared. Uh, I said, Babushka, I would like to have some meat or something, something strong, because I was growing boy. And she said, you know, Eric, I can't give you any meat. We have no, no meat anymore. But she mentioned later, when we finally escaped from the town to the steppe, she mentioned, you know, at that time, there was such a widespread starvation that uh, some strange people on the street, between the bombings, used to sell beef burgers. And she always made a grimace, you know, there's a strange face, I said. Uh, She thinks it was a human flesh. So I I can't, you know, I was a boy, I can't say that it was really a, a cannibalism or whatever. But using of dead animals, including dead horses, Flesh of horses, horses skin, even frozen potato, if they found somewhere in allotments and so on, was the best of food we could have. We stayed in, in Stalingrad up to middle or end of September in our flat. In beginning of September, the German army already took one part of the city, Stalingrad. So only a strip near the Volga coast of Stalingrad, uh, where our flat of Stalingrad workers, because my father was an engineer at Stalingrad tractor factory, and we lived in the estate of the Stalingrad tractor workers, you know, very close to the Volga River. This part was still not taken by Germans. During the bombings, I remember that uh, the radio on the streets was a huge sort of radio, you know, in the streets. We had warnings always before the bombings. Attention, attention. The airstrike by German aircrafts is coming soon. Citizens of the town, please go to your bomb shelters. Please go to your bomb shelters. 
everybody was running to the basement, to the shelter. And during the bombing in the shelter, the walls and the ceilings were shaking because a lot of bombs penetrated to the upper floors of the housing. And the basements were full of building dust and cement or whatever, you know. All basements, at least in our part of the were full of people, children, wounded soldiers. On the wooden shelves were lying a lot of Russian soldiers who were wounded during the previous bombings or whatever. And on some shelves I saw children with bandaged hands, head, legs. And I remember couple of times I recognized my my friends from the kindergarten there was no medication no doctors no nothing at that time there was no antibiotics as well so the smell the the air in the basements was horrible was thick of dust and smell of rotten human flesh and mommy mentioned to me that I complained to mommy that I can't breathe. It's so, 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 so difficult to breathe here. This was the reason why it was difficult to breathe. At the end of September, one mine penetrated our kitchen from the window and on opposite side of the window exploded. So when this mine exploded in our kitchen, father said, enough is enough. Germans are going to kill us here. We have to go to the steppe. But how? It was very risky because Germans were bombing all crossings of the river from right side to the left side to the steppe. Somehow we collected just all necessary uh, belongings, went to the bank of the river. Everywhere there already near the house were trenches. And I remember on one side, when we were walking, uh, crawling really, <laughs> in these trenches, it was an anti-aircraft station or whatever. They were fighting the German airplanes. There was, a, But what I noticed, I remember, it was... a. Um, uh, young girls. It was no man at this anti-aircraft equipment. They were so young that under the bonnets here were pigtails coming out. So they were about 17, 16, 18 years old. These were the defenders of Stalingrad at that time. Anyway, so we went to the Volga River and it was a pandemonium there. Children, women, old people, wounded soldiers, not wounded soldiers. But somehow my father persuaded one military driver to take us. After delivering the equipment and soldiers, Russian soldiers on the right bank, he was empty to go back to the left bank of the Volga. And uh, he accepted us. We hid in his lorry and were crossing on this barge, the river. What I saw then in the river was a lot of 
flying strange objects, suitcases, some other personal things, even bodies of the soldiers and civilian people. So we were lucky to cross the, the river. On the left bank, my father found somewhere a couple of wheels from the carts, somewhere broken there, and some wooden pieces, and created a sort of a, a craft, <laughs> you know. Put our belongings on the top, and myself, mother pushed from behind, father in the front, and we start walking into Volga step up to 90 or 100 kilometers. It took us about nearly a couple of weeks to the nearest village. The village was called Neikalonia. It was a village of Volga Germans. They came in time of the Catherine II Empress in Russia. She invited a lot of German peasants and so on to settle in, in Russia. And they settled in Volga. And they, and they had a very good agricultural communes along the Volga River. And my father, being an engineer in tractor factory, was very suitable for This is why they accepted us. And we spent there the winter of 42-43. But it was a very difficult winter with minus 40 centigrade up sometimes. A lot of blizzards, lack of food. And remember, uh, we were put in one room, two or three families. So anyway, it was about eight people living in one room. Everybody was suffering then. Everybody, and, and including us. Aus dem Führer Hauptquartier, 3. Februar 1943. Das Oberkommando der Wehrmacht gibt bekannt. Der Kampf um Stalingrad ist zu Ende. And after the war, when we father decided to return back to Stalingrad, he was not accepted. Because in 1945-1946, the relations between the United States and Soviet Union changed drastically. And they became sort of enemies. And when my father, after, was refused to work again, he told to me that it was a political decision probably, because it was very strange. This town, I remember more sufferings than really, than the happy days in Stalingrad because all the sufferings we had later on, because we moved later on to Latvia, and in Latvia we were, uh, father was refused, uh, Soviet government refused us to go to America, so father finally stayed there. My mother, after war, died very soon from tuberculosis. She was died, she was 46 only. And father was uh, only breadwinner, and uh, thanks to him, we survived. And I'm still alive today. Since the end of the war, my feeling to Stalingrad became different. And uh, I, to be honest, I never ever, after the war, visited Stalingrad again. 
What I learned, I learned that I don't want to anybody, including myself, to have any kind of war again. This is my basic feeling. But at the same time, I know that the world is not so peaceful as it should to be. And there are a lot of uh, different sort of thinking and uh, ideological and political uh, temptations to create situations then war could start again. And uh, I think that uh, the present world is not ready to solve this problem.